Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Competitive Enablement Show. I'm your host, Adam McQueen, and in today's episode, I was joined by Federico Jorge, the founder of Stack Against, for the latest edition of CE Live. I first heard about Federico during his appearance on the Dance Battle podcast hosted by Alex McDonald, and then and there, I knew I had to get him on for a live episode. During the session, we go deep into the world of competitive comparison pages. And Federico and I actually walk through two live examples of comparison pages that he's built for customers. So for those of you listening to the audio version here, there is some screen sharing, but you'll still get the tactics used, the strategies, the copy that he's written and why. So we'll share the link to the example landing pages as well in the show notes. And with that said, let's get into today's episode. I am joined. Where is he? There he is. You're hiding from me. Hey, guys. Today, I am joined by Federico Jorge, the founder of Stack Against. Federico is a conversion copywriter with a particular passion for competitive marketing, which made him a perfect fit for joining us today. Uh, Federico has focused his career on SaaS companies, and he found this untapped opportunity. He's kind of combined this, um, this love for competitive marketing and tech and he began Stack Against to help SaaS products stand out in a crowded marketplace. Since launching Stack Against just a year ago, Federico and his team have helped companies like FreshBooks, Cloudways, and Signaturely steal leads and opportunities from big players like QuickBooks, WordPress Engine, and DocuSign. Federico, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, man, I'm excited to be here. I'm seeing so many faces, that's crazy. So thank you. Thank you for the invite. Let's get into this thing. So first of all, Federico, I just want to know, how did you get into this line of work? How did you kind of pave your way into this niche of competitive comparison pages? Uh, well, uh, it's kind of like, I think it all began at, at the very beginning. Like w- w- when you said, uh, like, I have a passion for competitive marketing. And it's kind of true, like, I, when I first discovered that I wanted to do advertising, I had my degree in advertising and uh, I think it was just pure chance, right? But some of the first ads that uh, I, I saw and, and I started realizing, oh, this looks good. Like I would like to be somebody doing this kind of work, right? I, I didn't even really like know what advertising was, marketing was. I was like 18, 17 years old. And the first ads that I saw were um, those classic burn back ads, you know, Think Small or uh, the uh, Avis, We Try Harder campaign. And those specific kind of ads like attracted me. And uh, I, I really wanted to be writing those ads, right? And then I got my degree and then I started working in advertising. I, I, I've always been a copywriter. And then at some point in my career, I started looking more into the digital world. And again, kind of like by chance or, or who knows, right? Uh, I, I got a couple of projects uh, with SaaS companies. I, didn't, I wasn't actively looking for that niche. I kind of like find, find it anyway. Um, and then I loved the world of SaaS. Like uh, I remember joining the SaaS Growth Hacks group uh, on Facebook, which is a group that I still moderate and I still participate a lot uh, on a daily basis. And I felt like 
this is my people. This is the kind of people that I want to be working with. And then from, from, from that, uh, from there, like uh, I had a few projects where different SaaS companies wanted me to write comparison pages. And I had a lot of fun doing those. And, and I realized there's a, there's a there, like I have a really clear process to get us from A to C, right? From understanding uh, the, the research side of it and the positioning and then coming up with the, with the angle for the page and where to get um, voice of the customer ideas uh, to write these comparison pages and the copywriting, which was the, the, the most fun for me. And again, I'm a copywriter, so I spent a lot of time like actively writing these pages. Um, so I said, why don't I just narrow down my scope and just say, I'm doing comparison pages and that's it. And I created the brand, I created Stack Against to, to try and kind of like attract uh, companies that are interested in, in that specific way. That's so cool that you've honed down and become an expert in this specific niche. And yeah, I mean, that's what we're going to get into today is how you actually, the nuts and bolts, the tactics, the strategies to build comparison pages that are actually going to help you differentiate and beat your competition. So I guess let's do a high level overview too. Like what even is a comparison page and why should companies even use them? Uh, okay, cool. So um, I think the best way to look at comparison pages is uh, realizing that they're, they're, they're a sales asset, right? You have your squeeze pages, you have your lead generation campaigns, you have like top, top of the funnel educational content, and that's all great, right? But I think where comparison pages really shine is uh, when you look at them as a, as a sales conversion asset, right? And the reason you, I, I speak of them as sales asset, it's because people are coming to these pages, buyers are coming to these pages when they're this ready to make a decision, right? They're either evaluating their options and, and, and like they need to make a choice in, in the short term or they're moving away from, from a different vendor, right? So they're very warm and maybe they don't even know about you, but, but when they're gonna be doing their, uh, their online research mostly to try and find what other alternatives are, are out there in the marketplace, then that's when you want to intercept them, right? And they're coming in warm or hot and you want to talk to them at that very specific stage. And because they're so close to making that decision, it's just about tipping them over to you and, and convincing them that you are the best alternative to, uh, for, for, for what they need. And then boom, you got a, you got a lead, you got a free trial, you got a demo, you got, and then you, you're getting a sell if, you might, like, um, if you're able to convince them that, yes, this is the actual product for you. So what stages of the buyer journey are, are people coming to a comparison page? I know we've talked offline. You mentioned there's kind of different folks at different stages that are coming in. And I'm, I'm curious to see what, the, what they are and kind of how the messaging is maybe different for each person. Yeah, um, I think overall th there's three uh, stages where uh, comparison uh, pages makes a lot, make a lot of sense. One is the evaluation stage, <coughs> sorry. And at this point, uh, and mostly for B2B products, people are creating a short list, right? And here's another reason why 
stack against exists. Like you see these quadrants, right? G2 quadrants or Gardner quadrants, and they're they're getting crowded and crowded. There's there are no more pixels left for 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 more more logos there, right? So when people are when people need to make a decision in such a crowded space, they're going to have a tough time really understanding uh, what's the best product for them, the better fit, right? And they don't have time to be looking at 12, 15, 20 different products out of, out, of, out of hundreds, right? Because sometimes you have hundreds of options. So they wanna create a shorter mental list. They wanna, uh, they wanna see like five, six, seven, eight products that might do the work for them, right? And the goal for, for those leads, for those prospects is, is not winning right away. It's getting into the conversation is earning a place in that first shortlist, right? Then, uh, and, and, and maybe I should say, um, your key strategy at that point should be make your comparison pages easy to find, right? Put them in front of people, especially if you know from your intel <clears throat> that it, it, this is a very crowded space and people are actively comparing you to a bunch of other alternatives when they come to you, right? So make, make your uh, comparison pages easy to discover, uh, try to get them to rank, uh, put some money into PPC, uh, like use them as part of your sales conversations, right? When somebody asks you how you're different, obviously you can send them to this asset, but if not, you can like preempt those questions by sending, sending people to these uh, comparison pages, right? So put them in front of your buyers. Then when you keep going down the funnel, then there's the decision stage, right? And then at this point, the short list, the short list becomes even shorter, right? You're gonna be trialing products or demoing products. And again, you're, 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 you don't have a lot of time. So you're gonna go from five, eight different products that you might consider to two, three that you're gonna actively try. And then at that point, what your comparison page should do, like overall your marketing, but we're talking about comparison pages. What you wanna do at that point is really be very accurate and, and clear in uh, telling people how you solve the problem in a, in a unique way. Because at that point, the biggest question is, how do you solve it versus them? Right? Because I have these two, three alternatives. I want you to tell me, how you're different, right? I want to have that very, very clear in my head before I move forward. And then there's another stage, which is really interesting, which is the post-purchase, post right? And this is where, uh, when, uh, when somebody's coming from a different vendor, right? You're using MailChimp, for example, right? And you're frustrated with MailChimp for whatever reason. So you go back to the market and you start looking for an alternative. And, uh, one thing you have to consider for somebody that is at this stage, they are, they are most aware, right? They absolutely understand um, the kind of problems that they have, the solutions that they're looking for, and they have a lot of experience with at least one specific vendor. So you can talk uh, to them in a very straightforward way. You, you, need to, you don't need to uh, beat around the bushes. You can just go straight for the kill, right? And 
at that point, what, what you really want to capture is the, the negative sentiment that they have with this other vendor, right? Really spend time doing your customer research and understanding what's happening, what's frustrating users uh, with your competitors, and then show them and give them proof on how you're not going to make them go through the same challenges and how you're going to solve that problem and how basically like give them peace of mind that they're, they're not going to have to face the same frustrations if they come to you. That's interesting. You really have to intimately know and research your customer and buyer then, right? Because on that evaluation stage, they're sort of, they might have a set of pain points that are far, far different than once during the post-purchase stage with a customer vendor. So you really need to understand the value props that your competitors would be driving or selling to someone that's in the immediate valuation stage. And then you really need to understand actually the actual pains they go through or the deficiencies your competitors might have when they're actually in using the product now. So that's actually a really good point. But one thing when I think about a comparison page, aren't they just biased though? Like, of course, if I go onto Trello's page comparing themselves to ClickUp, they're going to say they're better. No duh. So aren't they, aren't they biased? Like, what's your response to that? Um, my response is yes, uh, they are biased. But like, I, I think I used the same uh, line the other day, but all marketing is biased because you want to um, highlight your strengths and maybe don't talk too much about your weaknesses, right? <laughs> Unless people start asking you because that, that's marketing. That marketing is about um, showcasing where you're good at and where you're winning, especially competitive marketing. You want to really understand where you're, where you're winning and focusing your messaging around that idea and those promises. So yes, they are biased, but um, I think unless you're, uh, you're lying on, on your comparison pages, it doesn't really matter because I always come back to the customer, right? And some people, when they reach out to us, some people will go, hey, how do you handle this? How do you make people feel like this is an honest piece of marketing or sales? And the reality is that People want, people are, people need answers to these questions. When again, when they're considering buying from you or from, or from, from a different alternative, they have this anxiety. How, how are you different? How are you going to solve this problem for me? Because at the end of the day, um, th there's a lot of feature parity, especially in SaaS, right? I don't know, uh, like all, all the people uh, here today. Uh, there's probably people outside of SaaS and tech, but especially in, in our industry, feature parity is very common. So most products should be able to do the basics of what you need to do, right? This, this checklist of, do you have this feature and that feature and this other feature? Most of these products are gonna at least check uh, all the must-haves, right? But where it gets really tricky is after you've, you've gone through that checklist of must-have features, they still don't know how do you do this in a, in a unique way or how does your product align with their values, right? With something that they believe uh, about their work and how they should do their work, right? 
So they're coming to you and they're coming to your competitors asking, asking that, how, you're, how are you different? How do you solve this problem for me in a different way? So why not have an asset that tries to answer that question in the best way possible? And again, make it honest, uh, don't lie, but absolutely showcase where you're good at and, uh, and how you're winning and how, how you're beating your competitors head on, like say it straight up. So uh, Laura's question there, can we see some examples? We will be getting tackled. We're going to dive through two examples as well when we get in here. Um, I, I think we're going to get into like the nitty gritty as well, but I think there's like some principles or strategies that need to be in place. So I think this kind of, um, ties to Iraqli's question here as well about like, how do you do a direct comparison with a competitor without being seen as calling them out, being too aggressive? Like, I guess what, where's the limit in your opinion in terms of doing direct factual comparisons, features, et cetera, and kind of slinging mud, I guess. Yeah. Um, I, I think you need to approach comparison pages from the idea that you don't need to be the best. And some of these, like we can, we can take a look at examples and, and I think we've made this uh, mistake uh, in the past. Um, when you claim we're the best alternative to MailChimp, for example, I'm gonna keep using MailChimp as an example. I'm pretty sure everybody knows about MailChimp. Uh, first of all, it sounds empty. It sounds like this blanket, claims, marketing claims that everybody drops at some point, right? And, uh, and, and that's the wrong approach. You don't want to be the best. You want to be the better fit for somebody or the better fit for um, a segment in the marketplace or a better fit for people that have certain beliefs or that have specific needs or that have specific jobs to be done right? And you want to capture that. And sometimes that means uh, narrowing down your market. And again, we need to, we need to separate what, what's your marketing from what, what you put on your comparison page. And sometimes when you're competing against uh, a, a specific brand, it makes sense to uh, slightly update your positioning or kind of like pivot your positioning and talk about how we're good or how we're better for a specific segment of the market. And when you change your perspective that way, and when you try to say we're, we're a better fit for X, Y, Z, then you stop worrying about um, being aggressive and uh, like talking trash about your competitors, because it's not about that. It's, a, it's again, tying this back to where you are strong and how you're different from them. And somebody here uh, is saying um, uh, Tanner here. Well, we're uh, actually going to bring, I'm going to bring Tanner on here because I think cool. that there's an original, there's a contradiction. I'd love to get his perspective on this too, but I think as well, when we get into some of our examples, there might be a bit more alignment. Um, Tanner, thank you for joining us. Uh, let's, 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 let's hear the take here. What, what are your thoughts? Okay. So far? Sure, and um, I I actually um, don't don't think that anyone disagrees with this per se. It may just come down to mm -hmm. semantics. Um, 
I just, I, I want to make the point that I make a lot here when talking about what should go into, you know, battle cards, comparison matrices and, and that sort of thing that um, it's, of course, you're emphasizing the positive because trying to help people close the deals, but at the same time, um, accepting the negatives and being prepared to um, address challenges and making sure the sales folks are armed with those rebuttals so that those comparison docs can even call those things out. They can say, look, we are weak at this. We know our competitors are better at this. So now the question that I ask you, obviously an example that doesn't apply in every case is, um, does it matter to you? I, 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 I really want to dive right into like a real example because the signaturely example we're going to share, I think Federico does an incredible job of flipping uh, perceived weakness and flipping that um, the th things where they might have shortcomings from a feature perspective. And he flips it to like, I think what you mentioned there, Federico, like not just saying you're the best because you're going to lose trust. That's a blanket, non-provable statement. Like don't just slap, I, we're the best. We have the leader badge on like all of that junk. Like he, he kind of frames his weakness to being like, but we're the best for this fit for this reason. Like the shortcomings, it almost gets flipped on its head. And I think I'm just kind of doing a little bit of a teaser here. And it will make more sense when we have the concrete example. But it is a good point because you can't just constantly say we're the best, we're the best, we're the best, because it's like that's not how these conversations actually go, right, Tanner? Yeah. And you do, you lose that trust uh, pretty quickly, that confidence that you need right off the bat. And if someone sits down to a meeting and that's the story they hear, they're not going to, they're going to dismiss you out of hand because you're not doing the diligence to be able to speak to um, what other players in the market are are saying they can do oh. actually this is a good i want to ask a question related to this and federico when you work with kind of clients and customers what are how do you allow the how do you identify those weaknesses like how do you approach those if you have a client or a customer and you're like they they see that they're weaker in this part how do you approach that when you are building a comparison page then um can, can, can you repeat that how do i approach what so if you're if you're meeting with a, a customer building a, a comparison page with them and you've kind of identified some of the areas where they might be weaker how do you tackle yeah. that with them like how what's that dialogue with them before even putting it pen to paper as well yeah okay great question uh, and again I, I think this is a great perspective Tanner and um, I think it comes down to um, making sure again to go back to the customer and understand first what's important to the customer right so maybe if we're losing like i don't know i'm gonna make up a like a like a simple example here but let's say um my competitor is gdpr compliant right and we're not for example but the reality is that if that doesn't matter for competitors like it doesn't even have it doesn't need to have a place on your comparison page because it's, it's, not, uh, it's not something that customers want to hear about, right? And if it's not a, a selling point or a particularly big selling point, then just omit using that on your comparison page. And if it's a big, it's a big, big uh, thing, uh, something that customers really care about is a deal breaker, then you have a few choices. You can not do a comparison page against that competitor, right? And I, I don't think I found, like, 
I don't, I don't think we had a client where we had to face uh, that scenario and tell them, hey, we should not even be doing a comparison page here. Um, but probably might get to that point because it's, it's about con- trying to control the narrative, right? And customers are gonna have a lot of resources other than your marketing and your sales to make their decisions. They're gonna be looking at uh, reviews, third-party sites, uh, they don't have tons of resources to make their uh, their choice, right? So from your corner, try to control the narrative as much as possible and try to tell them, uh, t- tell customers where you're winning. And if you're not clearly winning, either you avoid that topic or you find a way to, kind of like you said, to flip it. And again, but again, it, it needs to make sense for customers and i i think a good example since we're not showing anything yet uh is is the avis campaign right we're number two so we need to try harder and they that's the way they flipped it but it's connected to a very important thing that customers care about which is support customer support and well in that case making sure sure your car is ready on time clean um, that you're not going to have a flat tire, stuff like that, right? You're going to have a, a full tank when you get on your car. Uh, but they turn, and, and I think this is the one thing that I love most about competitive uh, marketing. They turn a big, big strength uh, from Hertz into a weakness, or at least they, 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 they were able to flip the, the narrative to make it sound like a weakness or make it sound like their strength, right? Because they're going to try harder. And uh, if that's the case, if it's impossible to omit talking about that, uh, it's kind of like the elephant in the room, you can avoid it, then I would probably say you have to get really smart, really creative on how to flip that around and, and make sure it connects. So there's an, in, like the chat is, this chat is, it's great here in everyone's perspective. And there seems to be this like prevailing sort of sentiment or pain point people might be experiencing. I think someone asked a question um, about like what product aspects or features should I highlight in my comparison page? And then kind of trickling from that, people are saying that, hey, competitors can quickly fix product uh, shortcomings. And like, then I then then our comparison page risks falling out of date, or th- it, these like competitive matrices are you're gonna have to be constantly monitoring them. So I think that speaks to this kind of how do you actually approach what is the prop like the best way to approach your competitive comparison page, and why is leading off with just kind of these feature comparison charts which can quickly go out of date? Why that is not the right approach, and how you kind of tackle that. Yeah, um, I think a lot of a, a lot of companies are, are are making this mistake of just trusting the comparison chart. And uh, I I have some examples. Uh, and if you wanna, if you guys wanna take a look at actual examples, maybe we can do that. But basically, it goes back to um, this idea of how like you need to state how you're solving this problem. In a, in, in, in a unique way. I believe 
I strongly believe that every product is different. Might be slightly different, right? But every company has different founders. Every company has different journeys. Every company started trying to solve a different pain point, right? So nobody's building the, the, the same product. Nobody's, and unless you're cloning products and just trying to make a quick bag and whatever, right? But if you're bringing that to your product, then there's always going to be something unique that you can grab on and talk about that. And uh, you should bring that perspective and you should bring those values to your comparison. Because if you don't tell people how all of, all of, all of these features on this comparison chart connect to how you work and uh, how you feel about the work that you should be doing and how those features are gonna impact your daily job, then you're, you're not gonna, you're gonna, you're not gonna sh like tell the, the, the whole story and you're gonna miss them in this feature versus feature comparison without any perspective. And if they're not educated enough in terms of understanding how those features are gonna make a difference for them, then you probably haven't, you probably lost the battle at that point. Adam, you're, you're muted. Am I muted? Oh, sorry, I had some yeah. sirens in the background there. Um, I think it's to your point, it's sales collateral. Um, and you need to have the why established, your unique perspective, your um, narrative, for lack of a better word, that needs to be first and foremost to set the stage that that actually allows people to buy in and has that emotional tie to them. What is sort of the features, the social proofing that you're going to put in throughout the rest of the page. And yeah, it's, it's sort of like, in a sales conversation, whenever I've talked to product marketers or enabling sales is like battle, battle card content, for example, is you could have a list of features on your battle card, but that's not going to help a rep win a deal. It's having those concise differentiators and like your unique perspective and how you fit for that particular audience. You're not just yeah. better because that's hard to prove. That's hard to build trust with is um, we're better for this audience for this reason and having that substantiated claim. Um, so the, I think that the chat is getting excited here and there's a couple of the questions I want to ask, but should we, should we dive into two of the examples right now and just have some people, I want to get people's perspective as we're diving into two of um, Federico's examples. Yeah. Amazing. I, I can share examples and I'm just blown away by like, I can't keep up with the chat. I, I, there's so many questions and, and, and comments here and it's amazing. I would love to be able to address all of these. I know this is super exciting. All right, I'm going to I'm going to share my screen and we're going to go through the first comparison page and that is signaturely versus DocuSign. So, yeah. let me share my screen here. I believe we are up. Uh, yep. Where is it? Oh, we're a little far down. Okay. So, here we've got signaturely against DocuSign. Federico, do you want to kind of lay the groundwork? What is the, what's the unique perspective here? What's the, how are you differentiating from DocuSign from the get-go? What's, what's going through your mind as you put pen to paper here? 
Yeah, awesome. Um, I, I think this this page ties back to a lot of ideas that we've been discussing already. Uh, so it's a great example. Uh, first of all, to give you some context, uh, Signature is a pretty young product. I think they they're like they launched two years ago, three years ago, tops. And um, and if you think about it, somehow they're not competing against DocuSign, right? They're not going to be stealing DocuSign customers. It's 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 kind of tough, right? But they still want to capture that big anchor that that is DocuSign, right? Because people know about DocuSign in the industry, and uh, from an SEO perspective too. There's a lot of volume around uh, keywords, competitive keywords for DocuSign, right? DocuSign alternatives, alternative to DocuSign, DocuSign versus XYZ. And you want to capture that traffic because that's people that maybe you're, you're not going to be the, the, a great fit for, but some of those uh, buyers are just starting the research and they use DocuSign as an anchor, but they want something else. They want, basically they want an e-signature tool and they use DocuSign just as, a, as an entry point to start finding, okay, what, what, what other options do I have, right? So that's why the, uh, we were using DocuSign uh, here to compare them. And then from a positioning point of view, we really wanted to use DocuSign as an anchor because it allows us to really say, this is everything DocuSign is, and we're the exact opposite. The, the only thing that, that, that's basically the same is that we allowed you to put a signature at the at the bottom of the document and get it signed, right? Mm. Um, so that's that's the context, and, uh, and that's why I'm looking at this like copy is like it's all around simplicity and ease of yeah. use, right? And you're immediately positioning yourself to an audience that probably doesn't need the heavy lifting or the the complexity that sort of DocuSign might bring with it. And you can even see it like it's straight up. It just straightly says for people who want to keep it simple, create free account free forever, always simple. Like it's reiterated and punchy to the point. And then what I liked here is now we immediately go to a side-by-side -side comparison here. So we've got DocuSign on the left, Signaturely on the right. Again, one thing that stood out to me right away was that I think with simplicity and I think you, you try, you, there's a tone to the, as we go through this landing page, there's like a, personal tone to all of the copy here it feels like someone it's you re it reads how you talk for example even something as small as like signaturely makes si signatures super simple copywriters would probably say cut super but it feels like it's someone talking that's, that's something i would add in even though you usually want to cut things like that and it feels like far more approachable like the the language and i think that kind of embodies the tone that you're trying to go throughout this the rest of this page yeah, uh, if you want a, a little bit of insider info, um, I helped the, the guys at Signaturally um, to build their, their, their website, their whole website. I work on their homepage too and other assets. And we were heavily considering um, stupid, simple signatures. That, that was the, the main uh, tagline that at least I wanted, right? The, I, the copywriter. It, it didn't happen. They, they, they're using super simple signatures on, on their homepage, but we wanted to bring that here too. 
And uh, you say drop the super, but I like the alliteration, like signature, signature super simple, kind of like uh, sounds good. And um, if, if, if it was up to me, I would have put like stupid simple signatures there too, but that's okay. You, don't, you can win them all. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it sounds conversational. It sounds friendly. It sounds approachable. But again, it's not just because I wanted to, to, to use that tone of voice. It's because they, this is a product for uh, roofers and plumbers and uh, small accountants and uh, freelancers. These are people that compared to DocuSign, they don't have a document workflow. They, they're not slinging documents back and forth between legal and uh, compliance and sales and then the client, which also has a legal department, none of that. These are just people that they want to get the signature. They wanna get the paperwork out of the way and get down to work. And sometimes even the signature is like that friction, that last uh, minute friction to getting the sale because unless you, you, you sign this document, we can't get started. You, you're not gonna uh, pay me and blah, blah, blah. So you want, the whole messaging was, we're helping you get the signature and then we're, we're getting out of the way. We're not trying to complicate any of that. So we tried to make that really, really clear. So then obviously we have our, like our social proof from a happy customer. But also I want to get into sort of there's the G2 reviews. You, we, we jump into negative G2 reviews about DocuSign. So what was the rationale for going that route, that route and really emphasizing the, the negative side of DocuSign? Um, we sometimes use negative reviews for our competitors to drive uh, to hammer to, to hammer on that idea, like what you're showing right now, like ever feel like technology makes things harder. Uh, we like I like the approach of first stating what's the problem with the tool that you're using right now, and only after that showing what your solution is. Right. So when when you're at this point on the landing page, which is talking about the problem, you want you want to like you want proof of that. It's not just something that you made up, right? You have to sustain that with actual uh, with something that feels real, and uh, and quotes from real customers that you can even go on G two and actually find these quotes makes it real, and it also makes it less biased. Like what we were talking before, this is not something that we're making up about our competitors this is something that actual customers are saying and are complaining about these tools. So it makes it all more real and it makes it all um, like it, it, it crystallizes the problem. Totally. And honestly, it's good, to, like using negative G2 reviews, like it's hard to find negative G2 reviews too. So I even add a little bit more clout. I want to get to this next bit because uh, I'm going to jump to one part, which I think speaks to what Tanner was talking about with you about, okay, where do you acknowledge your shortcomings and what, instead of just ignoring them, what do you do with them uh, in, in the context of creating a comparison page? And I wanted to share your, the, the feature chart that was created here. 
which is yep. where are we going? It's right down here. And first of all, as well, I'll, I'll let you take this one away. Let take this one away. What what is what was the the rationale behind this feature chart? Okay, awesome. So uh, a, a few things. First of all, the comparison chart uh, comes uh, close to the bottom of the page because again, if, if you're familiar with pain um, agitation solution, you know this classic copywriting formula. The page kind of like works like that. First, we state what the problem is, and we agitate that problem. We just seen that, and then we present the solution. And then at that point, your your the user, if they're convinced by your approach, if they understand what you're trying to convey here, and if they agree with your perspective, then at that point, the, the, they've lowered their barriers, and maybe they they, they want to uh, spend more time looking at the features and, and that specific comparison. So it comes. Uh, at this point. And then what we did here, we, we tried to flip that around, kind of like, again, like Avis. We wanted to, again, support the, the, the main narrative. For us, every single section on your comparison page should support your main idea. And the main idea, the main positioning idea here was for people who want it simple, right? So this section should talk about simplicity too. It, it needs to be attached to that idea as well. And uh, we, we use that anchor, like, like I said before, uh, of DocuSign and what people know about DocuSign, which is this big, complex product that allows me to do a lot of great stuff. But at the same time, it's a lot of stuff that why should I even care about if I'm a roofer or a, or a plumber or somebody else that fits uh, the kind of like audience that's naturally trying to attract and, and convince. So we're telling them, we're telling readers, yes, DocuSign has all of these features. They're amazing and we don't have any of these. But the question is, do you actually need it or do you want to, to, to and this is the, the, the last row on, on this chart, or do you want a simple one, two, three process that gets your documents signed every time? And if that's what you care about, then we have it and they might not. And the cool thing is, again, simplicity, similar to like saying we're the best, saying we're simple or we're the easier solution is a claim that a lot of companies will make. And it's a super yeah. hard claim to prove. Yeah. And so and and that's your like your anchor that's like the narrative that you're sharing that's your like pov compared to docusign and so something like this is a very unique way and also again i'm just talking the tone being humorous feel like a, a human's actually written this i think is part and parcel with this like simplicity element like this is actually you're far more relatable the the copy and this chart kind of flipped what might be shortcomings on its head and yeah i i just i love this and to tanner's point i think this is a great example of what you can do to turn turn and turn something on its head when it's a perceived weakness the the last yeah, thing for, and, oh, sorry. and i think sorry let me let me add this and i think it adds also to the idea of how can you address certain topics without being aggressive and without yeah. trash talking your competitors which we're kind of doing here we're kind of doing that. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna accept that. But if you do it in a way that is charming, then people are not gonna feel 
heard about that or there, it's not going to impact negatively on your brand because like if you're charming about it, if you're elegant about it, then people are going to like you for it. And then the last part I loved as well is the value add here at the bottom, ready to use templates. What I love is, again, you're speaking the simplest, you're talking to people that don't need the bells and whistles, as you mentioned, they want simplicity. People love templates. And uh, that kind of light value add that you're going to provide something that already kind of lessens the load, lessens the burden on them. That was a, that was a nice little touch, I thought, to close. Um, mm -hmm. We've got 10 minutes here. So I want to jump to the next one. And also, um, yeah, just to kind of have side-by-side -side perspective as well. So the next one here we are doing, this is process kits comparison page to Asana. So I want to get into sort of the principles in play here before like the, the tactics, because Asana is a giant in this task management space. So what did you and process kit do with the initial point of view and your perspective here? Like what was, what's the strategy to compare yourselves against Asana? Okay. Um, okay. So first of all, I, I remember exactly when we sat down with this client during the, the during the first call, we, we, we didn't like, it wasn't even started the project. Um, and they said, I don't want to be aggressive on these pages. I love Asana. I've used it. And I, I think they said, I still use it sometime to time, like for, for my personal stuff. So I don't want to diss Asana, right? But I still know, and this comes from like their own intel, People are coming to us and they're saying, I, I, I was using Asana, but, or I, I tried Asana for so many years, but, and the people that are coming to us, they're not, find, they're not finding the kind of solution that they need in Asana. And, but, but still, this is very similar to the DocuSign example. Asana is such a big force in the project management space, that somebody that might be a great fit for process kit, when they start researching alternatives, they're gonna end up at Asana, right? Mm -hmm. Every road leads to Asana at some point. Yeah. If you're looking, if you're looking for a project management tool, but process kit, what they do really, really great is, it is a project management tool. You could say it's a project management tool, but it's built in a way that it's great for companies that work like close to 100% of their uh, of their tasks are driven by processes and SOPs, right? So if if you're a creative agency, let's say, you might want to stick with Asana because you want that flexibility of every project being different. Like for for this uh, client, we're going to do a website and some emails and some copy and some design. And for this other one, we're gonna do paid traffic and we're gonna do PR. And if you're an agency doing a lot of stuff, then you want all your projects to look different. But if you are a, a productized service or if you're a, a, a narrow down agency, and I'm a great example of that, stack against, all we do is comparison pages and all of our projects look the same, except for how many pages are you buying from us right now? And do you want just a copy or do you want copy and design? That's the only difference. After you tell us that, that you buy your specific package, that every single project looks pretty much the same. And we have SOPs 
for every step of the process. So we're a perf perfect fit for ProcessKit. And I actually use ProcessKit and not Asana. So we really wanted to highlight that. And we wanted to attract the kind of companies that fit that description. And in that case, what we're telling them is Asana is great, but it's not great for this particular thing, which is recurring tasks and managing SOPs. And if you need that, you better come with us. Yeah, because you can't just come in and say you're better than Asana. Like they're no. the market leader. You can't come in and that, and it's just, again, it's like the messaging portion. If you're the best for everyone, you're actually going to be the best for no one, right? So you've kind of targeted like this kind of subset or niche that you're going to get your foothold in. And it's probably, I think, again, this ties back to customer research, understanding your solution and where you win most too, right? Yep. Like process kit, I've had to do proper research to understand, okay, recurring tasks is where we win. So we need to hammer home that unique differentiator right off the bat, right off the get-go. Um, so I, I, that's an interesting kind of approach to tackle a massive competitor, similar to the signaturely DocuSign one. Yep. Going, going into this one as well. All right, we've got no shortage of negative reviews again on G2 um, and Captera, sorry, G2 and Captera. What's the strategy again for these reviews in particular for Asana? Was there, were there particular reviews you were looking for or like, and, and there's a lot, like usually that you get a handful, but like we've got, how many have we got here? Eight? Like. Yeah, probably eight. Yeah. Um, well, it's kind of like, um, it feels like a tactic because we've seen two pages and both of these pages uh, use this idea of using negative reviews, but it really is hard to avoid. And when, when we're working through these pages, we, 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 we dive deep into research before, like we create a very strong brief and agree to that uh, strategy with the client before writing the actual page. And when we're researching for that brief, we spend a lot of time analyzing reviews because that's the, that's the most scalable way for us to get voice of the customer research done, right? And when we start analyzing these reviews, we identify trends and patterns. And this idea starts shaping up in front of our eyes in, in a way that it's impossible to avoid. Like mm -hmm. when we start seeing this, and then it's so easy to go back to the client and say, this is how people feel about Asana. And you solve this in such a specific way and in such an improved way that how can we not talk about this? How can we not make the whole comparison about this, right? And then we use those same reviews to try and get buyers and readers to feel the same way as we felt as we were reading them which is, it's an actual truth. And real customers are, are, are telling these stories. It, it, it's not us. It's actual customers supporting what we're trying to tell you here, right? And, uh, and again, we don't try to make this aggressive. We're just trying to put the spotlight on how people feel about these tools. The social proof as well from G2 reviews, Captera reviews, like it's real user reviews. So there's already more weight to it. There's more credence than like arbitrary leader badges, right? As well. Like this is, you're really kind of sharing directly the voice of the customer within this page right then and there. 
And I, it that's I don't know. It just stood out to me. It's usually you see a handful, and there's a lot of reviews here. Um, so I just thought that was a unique thing. We've got we're really short in time. I wanted to drop one final question on this and then i will drop the the linkedin post in the chat because i think the conversation is just going to keep going on uh there's a great point as well from uh a dennis that the cool thing about both of these pages as well is just starting with one unique value prop don't get too vague um us versus them like we're the best like you've really honed in on one specific value prop that makes it more tangible and then you can actually start to sell a proper narrative uh the last question I had is integration here. This is out of all of them. This is like the, this is very prominent. So what is, is there a rationale behind having the Zapier integration featured so prominently on this page? Yeah. And, uh, and, and here we're not winning uh, the battle against Asana because Asana has probably more integrations than mm -hmm. process kit, but um because of the nature of these uh, productized uh, service companies, they want to automate as much as possible. And this is another insight that we have about, about these kind of uh, companies, right? They if they can automate every step of the way, they're going to they're gonna go for that. They're going to aim for that. So having Sabre integration and being able to connect all your tools is absolutely 100% necessary for them. These are companies like... I, I believe, I don't remember exactly, but I believe a lot of the leads that Process Kit were uh, getting were from the Sapier integration page, right? So this is an absolute must have. So even if you're not winning against your competitor there, or maybe you're similar, you want to put that on the page because it's a critical element that, that uh, buyers want to see and want to like check on their list. Totally. That is... um. That's a, that's a great example. Yeah, and it just stood out to me. So it's, it's cool to get the explanation. There's always a why behind each part of these comparison pages and to kind of shine a light on that. Uh, we've yeah. run up on time here, right there. Look, bang, 12 o'clock on the dot. Um, the chat is going off right now and I'm sorry we didn't get to all of the questions. So what I'm going to do is I'm dropping a link to my post as well in the chat if anyone wants to keep going, kind of continuing this conversation. Federico, where can people reach you as well? Okay, awesome. I'm just adding my LinkedIn to the chat because I want to follow up with everyone. And Adam, please make sure that I, that I get access to, to this whole chat history because I couldn't answer a lot of questions. Uh, I think I talk too much sometimes, so sorry for that, guys. Uh, but if you want to, like, please connect with me on LinkedIn and drop the same questions you drop here. And I'm going to spend the next few days, if needed, replying to all of you guys, because I, I love, even the ones that uh, disagree, like just drop the, that on LinkedIn, please do. And uh, and then find me on, like I can drop that too, uh, at stackagains.com. That's uh, our, our uh, company's website. And you're gonna see our offer there. It's pretty simple, pretty straightforward because it's a simple proposition. Uh, but yeah, people are, right. are really liking it. I appreciate Federico, this was this was so awesome. I'm so stoked. And I'm sure we're going to have you back again for some some more comparison pages because I think there's a lot more meat on the bone. So folks, as well, follow up. Where do we want to get into the nitty gritty? Because I think we can go even more specific on here. There's so many other questions. Um, I appreciate everyone's being so active in the chat. 
and uh, some of the great questions today. And we'll catch everyone next month.